You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Rabbi Hanano, just want to point out, just to be honest, um, although Hanano's interpretation, you know, clearly, you know, sounds great, Hanano himself realizes, uh, as we said yesterday, that there was another piece of another line of the Gemara. I just want to just go it over quickly. This one, Adir B'mara Hashem works great according to Hananel, meaning you plant God in your life, you know, Adir B'mara. Um, but then there's this other one that says Inami. Uh, another way to look at it is eh, Adir just is like the name sounds like. Like we said, like people, and as, as I mentioned, this was like the colloquial wisdom that the rabbis always use. Hoda Amri Inche, Kida Amri Inche. It's a key Gemara term. It shows up a lot where the Gemara sort of says, hey, this is an aphorism or an epigram or something that people always say. And, and, and don't, it's like you, you, you can't be surprised about finding it there. And this is another example where the rabbis say, hey, and you know what, you remember what people say about Adar? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, Adar is like the word Adar. It's like it'll stay for, for a long time. Hanano realizes that that's not that, you know, um, very noble thing that he was talking about, that Munba's like, just, I'm going to give money to Tzedakah and stuff like that. And he actually admits that. I just want to be honest, uh, you know, with Hanano. I just want to show you this last line. We're going to the next page. He could, you can see Hanano here on the bottom. Let's see. Okay, fine. It's always, wherever you can do it is great. Um, let's see, where was I? Oh boy, I lost it. Oh, okay, so I just want to show you again here, uh, Hanano on the bottom here, at the very last line. Ikadiyamre Adre One And now, actually, there's one way to look at it is is that uh, Yochanan was telling us this, a, con- a continuation of Great Amuna. Give your money to Tzedakah. The second way is that it's not, it's more practical. And that's what he says here. It's a tree, just like Rashi's teacher said. The difference is it's actually a tree that has no fruit. Milone Srak, he says here. Hugodo. It's a big tree, big, unbearing, non-bearing fruit tree. And again, of course, then the question is, why does it, why does it, why does it uh, save you from everything? Why does it save you from being ripped off and anything like that? Maybe Hanano agrees with Rashi as far as that goes, but how does it protect the crops? So Hanano says maybe, you know, it's really huge and it's branches, the payros are like the top, like the glorious crown of branches on the top. And the anofim are the other long branches that stick out. And it, it, it's such a huge uh, monolithic edifice like that. And if you um, if if you put it on your uh, on your vineyard, you actually put it on the border of your vineyard. Sayag is like a is like a a border or a a, a protection. You'll see animals ain chaya yikol Animals can't come in there. The the the, uh, the groundhogs and other things uh, can't get in there and. Um, and eat your crops up in the Peter rabbits. They can't get in there. Uh, which again, obviously, animals can uh, crawl through, as we know, they, they are quite capable. But those are the two interpretations. Um, so Hanano himself agrees there's a practical part. But I think what he added, and that was very impressively, was the 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 noble part, and that I think was of a of a piece to hear. Okay, so we're about to go on to the very next line. Here we go. Last line of the page. Tani Rav Tachlifa. Now, Rav Tachlifa is not a Tana. But Tani means he taught. He taught, remember what I've always been talking about, these vestiges from the past. He knew of one. In other words, he had a little piece of Brysa material. Okay? That's what people had. People had, like I said, this was a precious thing to them. They... They had retained it as a family tradition or through their research. So he taught this little piece of Bryson material, like a Bryson material, who is Rav Tachlifa. So the Gemara wants to tell you who he is. You know who he is? He is 
Achva de Ravnoi Chuzo. He's the brother of Ravnoi of Chuzo. And I guess Ravnoi of Chuzo, if you have enough familiarity, is probably more famous. So Rav Tachlifa is sort of like, yeah, that guy's brother. Okay. So it's just like, you know, if people want to say, yeah, Billy Carter. Oh, yeah, that guy's brother, right? Okay. So the point is for us, you know, you know a, a hundred years from now, no one's going to know who Billy or Jimmy was probably. Maybe Jimmy. But at the time of the Gemara, yeah, Rav Noy was a little bit more famous. This is Rav Tachlifa, his brother, who taught this. I think another thing, what, what this means is, and that's going to sound, you know, it's important. You know, there's a there's there's a book that I think that Woody Allen wrote called Side Effects, and in that book is a collection of all his essays. And this is before you know all the negative stuff about Woody Allen came out. And there's a I I, I thought it was very funny when I read it. He he sort of had a pastiche of Hasidic stories. Good morning, yeah. Rabbi. Good morning. Good morning. So it, over there, you're going to see like he's sort of making fun of these cryptic. Uh, stories that you can't figure out, sort of the things that Martin Buber and others, uh, you know, uh, made popular and that a lot of American publishers published in, in the mid-20th century, Hasidic stories. And like Woody would be making fun of them by making up these names of rabbis uh, that sounded like, you know, who knows what it meant, and then the story. So I, I think in the same way, sometimes you get, you know, you can sort of see so many names. Here, here, rabbi. You can't hear me? I think you can hear me, according to this, yeah. So my point is not... All right, we got... Our internet is a little bit uh, sketchy. Okay, the internet's a little bit sketchy. I'm sorry. Um, internet's a little bit sketchy. Sorry about that. Anyway, the point is, what I'm trying to say is from the story is, don't don't fall into the Woody Allen trap. Don't say, oh, there's so many names. It's so confusing. Oh, this rabbi, that name, that name. Again, you're looking at a, a document that has been preserved so carefully, a huge thousands-page document. And eventually, you actually see patterns in these names, and you see who's who. And and once, again, you've been through Shas a couple of times, and I'm not saying that's just a realistic possibility, but it could happen. And there are books, actually, that I use. I have them at my table all the time, which is the names of all the Tanoim and Amaroyim, told us Tanoim and Amaroyim. Uh, it's a great book. It's available at Hebrew Books. Uh, you can uh, told it's three volumes. And very easy to use, just alphabetically. And it was written by an incredible scholar, Ravaren Hyman. And I use that all the time. If I want to figure out who's who, what's what, who's a student of who. And it's very important. Don't just assume that these are all just names that, 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 that you know, go into the stratosphere and don't mean anything. So again, so Tani Rav Tachlifa Achvoda Rav Okay, let's get to his point. I think it's over here. What was this brisa? And this was actually uh, a statement you see quoted a lot. We've been talking in the page before about spending money, giving tzedakah. A person needs to re- believe, and this is what we has become part of our mentality, that the mizonos of a person. Now, the mizonos doesn't mean your food. <laughs> what it means is the money you make that's for the food. Rashi points that out. Mizonotav means kol, let's look at the top Rashi, kol masha atidli staker bishana. Everything that you're going to make, earn as a profit, shiyeh nizon misham. That's what mizonos means. Mizonos doesn't mean the actual mazon, like the nutrition. It means the things that's going that's going to buy the food for your house, and maybe more. Obviously, it's it's it, it doesn't just mean what you're going to stick into your mouth and eat. It also means the monies that you're going to live on and pay your mortgage and bills and everything else that allows you to have a modicum of comfort. 
Okay? So that's what mizonos means. Mizonos means the money that's going to pay your bills. Ktsuvimlo. Katsuv means there's a specific amount that's been set. And when has it been set? From Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. Meaning, what we always, what we pray for during the, the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is, God grant me a good year. Okay, so in other words, it's all katsuv, meaning whatever you're going to make is already in the books. But, let's take a look at this. Chutz mehotzaot shabbatot vehotzaot. Now, you know what this is, of course, yutes. Um, it's a good question. Uh, Henoch is asking, uh, and this is a question whether, what happens on, what, what is the Gzar Din that a person has? You're right. You have a Gzar Din and you cry about it. Please grant me a good year. Okay? So there is an element of, it's, it's written in stone, but there's also an element of even anything possibly to be changed. But we'll get to that in a minute, the philosophical implications of it in a minute. First of all, just practically, the, this line, Yudtes, okay, if I, if I wouldn't be muting you, you'd all be here in the room with me. Somebody would raise their hand and say, I know what that is. How do you know? You know because of context. Because the word right before that is Shabbatot. So therefore, this one must be Yamim Tovim, right? Or Yom Tov. Right? So in other words, hotsaot is what you take out from the Lushan Yitziyah, right? Like Yitziyah, things that leave. Say, hotsaot is what you spend, what you leaves your leaves your pocketbook and goes to someone else. So all the monies um, to pay for most of what you eat, and that's all determined. However, what you're going to spend on Shabbos for your Shabbatot or what you're going to spend for your Yom Tov, okay? Also, look at this. Vahot the amount you're going to spend for what? Banav, that's children. With Talmud Torah, and boy, that has become well. The people sitting here, except you know, aren't really in the in the in that category. But the younger generation is definitely reeling, especially now during COVID. The incredible monies that that the tuitions of the schools are taking, and that's what this is. Hotzos Bonav with Talmud Torah. Those expenses. Those expenses aren't in your Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur uh, uh, set in stone of what you're going to get from God. Which means what? She'im pichet. Let's say, let's say you decide to spend less from pachas, pochot, is less. If you decide, I, I just can't spend this much for Shabbos. I can't spend it for Tov. Look, I could send them to the uh, local school. It'll cost a lot less. Um, I can send them to a, a less impressive school where it's cheaper, even though you don't get the same quality of, of chinuch, the same quality of, 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 of education. If you decide to spend less on these things, pochatin lo, you're going to get less. In other words, God will give you less to pay for that. But if you decide to spend more, like we saw on the page before, for Shabbat and Yom Tov, just like we saw yesterday, a couple of days ago, believe in me, Yochanan said, you're going to get more than what was supposed to be here for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You're going to get more. Okay. Now, I said uh, last time that this sounds a little self-serving, right? A person who's a skeptic will say, yeah, of course the rabbis are saying this because they want people to spend money on Torah and things like that. Um, You have to remember, first of all, 
there wasn't an organized school system. I mean, we're 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 learning this in the year Tough Shinpei 2020, where there's all these schools and uh, in those days. What would it mean to send your children with Talmud Torah? There were certain places where uh, there were, or from the time of Rabbi Shua ben Gamla, there were um, uh, schools where they had um, uh, classes and things like that, uh, and 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 they did try to institute that, uh, sort of similar to the way we have schools today, but in many situations. Um, you would just call in a private person. And again, so it, it isn't... Um, yeah, I think part of the idea is it doesn't necessarily mean sending them away, but it means spending on them to find the right teacher for them. So that's what this uh, tradition was. That God will, and because people were worried about that. Where am I going to, I can't spend it this year. Okay. Uh, and, and again, this is the type of thing that this is quoted very often. Um, and hopefully, uh, it, 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 again, God will, of course, uh, make good on that. Okay. I uh, just want to do, before we move on, I just want to do one Rashi and one Tosfos with you. Okay? Um, let's start with this Rashi, um, the second line. We'll start, we'll do, we'll do the whole Rashi. Here we go. Kol mizonotav shalodam. So first of all, I already explained, mizonos means what you need to pay for your expenses. Rashi says that here. Kol ma sha'atir lishtakir. Everything that you are going in the future, and this uh, it's part of your future, to earn, to make money, bishana, in this year, and what are you going to do with that money that you make? Shenizon misham. You're going to feed yourself from it. Okay? And feeding, of course, doesn't just mean food. Kotsuv lo. There's an exact amount. Kotsuv. There's a, a certain exact amount for you. And what is that amount? Kach v'kach yistaker b'shanazu. That means, Rashi's telling us, that there's a dollar amount in God's mind, however God works in terms of his currency. <laughs> there's a certain amount of how much you're going to make this year, exactly. Just like you put on your 1040s. There's a certain amount that's up in Shemayim, <laughs> in God's ledger. V'yesh lo lizaher. Rashi goes on. You've got, what does that mean, that there's a certain amount? Got to be careful. asot from doing yitziyah merubah, from spending on other things. Going out to that restaurant that you didn't need to go out to, getting those tickets to cats, whatever it is that you're around. Why? Because if you make that extra spending, the third line of Rashi, you're taking away from the amount that you're supposed to make. So this gets into Henoch's question about free will. God has determined he's, he's our God. And he's, he, right? he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got, right? he's got us all there. And he's got a certain number amount attached to all of us. And therefore, be careful about what you spend. Why? Because you're not going to get more. You're not going to get more for what you need for the mortgage and, 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 and for your uh, two square meals a day. So be careful on what we call luxury and other types of expenses. That's one thing. You have to like, that's a good lesson. Again, whether you believe it or not, I do, but you don't have to believe this to understand that this is a good thing for the rabbis to be teaching. It's good, again, we all believe in God. We all cry, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We all believe there is a, a, a king. It's good to, I'm not saying to, to use anthropomorphic ideas, but the rabbis are, are correct here that this is a good thing to train people in, to know that just don't spend wildly on things. Realize that you have a certain amount. Okay, live modestly.
Yes, exactly. And that's a, a very good lesson. I don't think it's primitive at all. And, and economists will tell you that that is, that is, the, that is the sign of a healthy uh, community, is that the, 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 the communities that are able to live that way. And that, that's, that's one of the primary lessons here. Um, because God will not uh, make it up. You're not going to get more. So you're, you want to use it? If you use it, you're not going to get more. Except, let's go to the next Rashi, what you decide to spend, because, hey, let's make a big Shabbos this week. Let's celebrate the fact that we don't have to social distance and, and, and give people a chizik. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but let's say that will happen. In Illinois, maybe more than in New Jersey and New York. But let's say that happens. Oh, let's make a big Shabbos. Okay, we're going to spend more. So don't worry about that. The next, that's what this, this uh, tradition statement is telling us. Osa, those amount, lopasculo. They aren't tethered to what that Rosh Hashanah amount. What you're going to make in order to pay for that Shabbos. And it doesn't, and so it, it, there isn't it isn't determined where you're going to get it from where it's going to come to you. Ella, how does it work? Whenever you actually get into the habit of spending for Shabbos, for Yontif, the school you pick, God sort of like from the word matzah, it just pops up. It becomes God somehow. Oh, it's not from the kitty. It's not from what was what was <laughs> what was instituted in the beginning. It comes out when, sometime, sure it'll happen. You either you'll get it right away, oh la'acharsha, or you'll get it some other time. So again, you have to buy in to this ledger, and then you have these other expenditures, which if you decide to actually be um, emotional or noble or allow your love of God or your love of Torah to bubble up within you, don't worry about taking them, don't worry about taking them away. Yeah, that's coming up, Hannah, actually. That's actually coming up on this page. <laughs> so you're going to see that later about Shammai and Hillel in a minute. Okay? Um, now, before we get to the next line, uh, Tosus says, how does, how did they know this? How do they know that, that God is going to make up for that, for what you spend on Torah and stuff like that? This is such a crucial question. Again, it's almost like tailor-made for the executive directors of the schools, right? That's what they're going to say. <laughs> Look at this Gemara. You'll see. God will take care of you. We know we're spending, you're spending more, but we're providing the best teachers. We brought in this guy. Where's the source for this? So let's do, it's a three-line toast. Let's, let's take a look. Tosis is bothered. I'll tell you what Tosis is, is bothered by. I, I, I'm going to do the Tosis in a second. The very next words of the Talmud don't try to prove this last point about if you spend more for tuition or for a teacher, you're going to get that money somehow. The next part of the Talmud actually goes back, as you're going to see in a minute, to how do you know Rosh Hashanah is such an important day? Amarav Abohu, this is Amarav, Amarav, Aleph Reish, Amarav Abohu. And, and then he's going to bring a verse about Rosh Hashanah. Nothing about how you know that the tuition stuff is going to come back. So that's Tosis's problem. Tosis, that's such an that's such an incredible statement. Where'd you get that from? So let's take a look. Tosis says, again, Tosis here. You can see the, the these these bold words. Tosis is referencing the the statement from the Talmud itself. Then Tosis starts. Pre, you see that? Pre. Pei Reish Yud. Now, of course, this Streichel tells you that this is an acronym. This is actually a Rashi Tevos. 
What does it mean? Perish Rabbeinu Yitzchak. How do I know that? Well, I know it because in the Tosfos, if you've learned Tosfos over and over again, the Re or Rabbeinu Yitzchak is mentioned more times than almost any other name in Tosfos. Who was he? Well, I'll tell you, he was Rabbeinu Tom's nephew. <laughs> so he was Rashi's, uh, a relative of Rashi. He was in the Rashi family. We call him uh, uh, Isaac of Rampaport, or, Dom, or I'm sorry, uh, Dampierre, he's called. He lived in Rampaport, but he was known as the Re Dampierre uh, in France. Okay? So, or Rampaport. That's where he was. He was the Re, Rabbeinu Yitzchak. Also known as Rabbeinu Yitzchak Azakain, because he is really the one who founded the Tosfa school. His uncle, Rabbeinu Tam, started, like I mentioned yesterday, criticizing his grandfather and adding to his grandfather. Um, his, his uncle, Yaakov, Rabbeinu Tam, called Tam because Jacob, Yaakov Ishtam, um, Barely, I mean, he was five years old or ten years old when, when Rashi died. So Rashi knew him as a little boy to give him a, a pinch on the cheek. His older brother, Shmuel, the Rashbam, Shmuel, actually spent a lot of quality time with his grandfather. We don't find that by the younger brother, Yaakov. But Yaakov Tom, Rabbeinu Tom, is the grandfather of Tosus Because he started... Uh, and that's the word tosis doesn't just mean addition. It means addition to Rashi and expanding what Rashi did and being critical of Rashi and helpful because being critical isn't sometimes the best compliment as we've talked about in the past. So Jacob Tom, Yaakov Tom, did not uh, set out to write this comprehensive running uh, um, critique or uh, supra commentary on Rashi and the Talmud. He wrote his own books. Uh, and, and they are, I'll talk about them at a different time. His nephew, Yitzchok, took the ideas that he was getting from his uncle, the approach, and said, let's do this. And he founded the school of the Tosfosim, the Re. Okay? That's what he's called, the Yitzchok Azoke. And he has many, many uh, students. And each of them is a little bit different. And therefore, it's important to know that Tosfos is not monolithic. Tosfos represents a group of Rabbanim, a group of different schools, different students that can trace themselves back to Isaac of Rampaport's uh, um, project. What was his project? His project was, let's help. We know Rashi is very successful. People are studying the Talmud with a running commentary. They need more than that. They need us. We're going to add to that. And different uh, different students went in different directions. Okay? And and, and, and therefore, for example, we are Mesechta's Beitza. You're going to find different, uh, a, a Tosfus and a different Mesechta could contradict this outright. And the reason is because this was written by whoever edited this was from a was a student similar, but maybe from a different school from a different period. But they all quote, no matter how late the period, you're always going to find the father of the school, not the grandfather. That's Rabbeinu Tam. The father of the school is the Re. So let's see what the Re says. Now that again, what does the Re say? He says, even though the Talmud doesn't give you a source for this, hakol, everything that we just read, nafke, can be taken out. Nafak means to take out. Puk in, in Aramaic means go out. Puk. Puk means move out. Mikroi, from psukim. Which psukim? The psukim, look at this word, a very key Talmudic word, dule'el. Le'el means what was done earlier. Le'el, the earlier words. Meaning, the the Pusik from yes, from the last couple of days, the Pusik of Ezra. What was that Pusik again? 
Chedvas Hashem ki me'uzchem. Because why? Mizonotov de Shabbat, that's what we saw on the page before. Kid Amar, like was said on the page before. Levu alai va'ani poreya. So that's Shabbat, that's Yom Tov, it's the same thing. But what about spending money on Torah? Where did that come from? So he says, Torah, spending money on Torah, remember what it said? Chedvat Adonai hi God's happiness will be your strength. Making a Simchas Yantav because it's God's day will give you money back. But you know what makes God even happier? Torah. Dechsiv Chedvat. Chedva is about intense happiness. V'chedvat hi Torah. Torah is, makes you happy. Okay, hopefully this year can make you happy. I hope so. But 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 what it does is it, it's not only the endorphins that are released by understanding something, and, and and the accomplishment. There's an idea that Torah is sort of like God. God is sort of like dancing when we're learning Torah. God is so happy. This is the idea that rabbis have. In fact, uh, and we know it makes people happy, and that's the chedvas Hashem, the happiness you have, which is a happiness centered on God. And that's Torah. And the re proves that. Um, this is a, a pasuk that is quoted often. It means the commands of God are straightforward and they make a person happy. They make a person's heart well up in happiness. This is a pasuk that's quoted uh, to explain why on Tisha B'Av we don't study Torah, because we can't be happy. A person who's lost someone, a person who is an ovel, a halacha, is not supposed to study Torah from this pasuk. Torah gives simcha if you study it properly, and it should always give you simcha. Therefore, that's what the Gemara meant earlier too. It, even though it was used only about spending money for spending money for uh, Yom Tov, it also means spending money for Torah. Remember what I said a couple of days ago. It's, Ezra was talking about Rosh Hashanah on a specific day. The rabbis have their own usage of that pasuk, and now we've seen it that it's become extended according to Riyas taught us that that's what the Gemara means. Now, the, Riyas, the Riyas question is, where's the source? The Riyas is saying, go back on the page before, you'll see the source. The Talmud doesn't have to spell that out. Obviously, Shabbat, Yom Tov, the, the page before spoke about Yom Tov, Shabbat's the same thing. The, the, the page before spoke about the happiness of God is your strength. God is happy, and you're happy doing something for God when your kid is studying Torah. And because uh, Torah, <laughs> your kid will be happy, hopefully, and you'll be happy. You'll study with your kid. A Torah environment is, in essence, a happy thing. So, therefore, you're going to get your money back. Okay? Um, by the way, I have to put in a plug. Uh, not uh, that in our, on, our, on our podcast site, I received uh, last night um, a sheer from you Chicago people will be happy about this, Rabbi Schaffel, about this question about what's to do with, with COVID-19 in terms of the fact that the kids are not getting what they paid for, possibly, right? The parents were paying for 12 or 10 months tuition, and three months of that, they're getting, you know, Zoom classes or teleconference classes. Or do they deserve money back? And what's going on there? So Rabbi Shaffel has a very wonderful shear that I posted on on our website. It's called COVID-19 Choshen Mishpat. And it's really a, a, an eye-opener. I listened to it last night, and I gained a lot from it. I think it's a, a good thing, too, to just to see how, you know, there's a lot of COVID-19 questions out there about, um, should we make a minyanim, going to the mikvah, uh, uh, see how you distance. This is a, another meaty issue about do the schools have a fiduciary responsibility to, to rip up those head checks? 
because they're not providing what they said they were going to provide. What happens when a situation that like this occurs where nobody can go to school? It's a great, great cheer, and uh, I think you're going to like it. So it's up there on our it's on our podcast uh, website. Uh, I, I, I I posted it last night. I think it's I think it's a very good one. Anyway, so that's a good thing to think about, especially as we're talking about getting you know getting your money back from uh, from spending. Okay, let's go on a little bit. Amarababo, micro. What's the pasuk that teaches you how important Rosh Hashanah is? Okay, here's a pasuk you all probably know because we say it on Rosh Hashanah. Tiku. Bachodesh Shofar. Okay. Bikesel Yom Chagenu. That's the Pasik, and again, we all know that Pasik, right? It's Pasik and Tilim. Below, right? Tiku, uh, blow, all of you should blow. Bechodesh. Chodesh, of course, means from the word Chadash. Something new has happened, right? What's new? What's new is the new cycle of the moon, right? That's the Chodesh. That's what we call it a Chodesh. It's called Rosh Chodesh because it's the beginning of something new that's occurring again, right? The Levana is sort of, is, 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 is becoming new again. Okay. So, what do you blow? You blow a shofar, the ram's horn. Bikesa Liyom Chagenu. Kes, this is a mistake. It should be a hey here. Uh, and you can see that on the side where the Pusik is. Bikesa. See that where the number one is? Bikesa. It's a hey. Not with an olive. Okay. And again, that's what happens. Uh, people write texts over and they, they're not careful the way they write stuff. So you might wonder, so why the heck didn't they just correct that? Yeah. Um, You might wonder, why is there such an obvious uh, um, uh, error of writing here? Why do you keep this here? Why don't why don't we just change that to a hey the way it is in the Pusik? Good question. <laughs> My answer is not going to satisfy you, but here's the reason. Um, the rabbis were worried that uh, people, since there wasn't a, like a forensic way to control manuscripts and things like that. The rabbis were worried that people would uh, come in and just change things and write whatever they wanted. So the rabbis actually got together before the, print, the time of the printing press and said, no one has a right to alter a manuscript. Uh, you have to keep them the way they are. Because otherwise, how do I know that this is what is, the provenance is the same? If everybody, again, many times you have to realize I would borrow a manuscript from Rabbi X, copy it, and give it back to him. And then I would send it over. It, it might take me months to copy it. There had to be a way for people to know that people were not um, uh, rewriting, erasing, and changing things in manuscripts. Otherwise, the manuscript loses its significance. So therefore, there was an accepted tradition in manuscripts to to change, not to alter what was written. So therefore, what happened was, uh, if you wanted to, what you were allowed to do, however, is make a note on the side. That you're allowed to do. That's what you could do. But you couldn't change it at all. And that carried over here as well. Even when they were printing it, there was this idea, it got into the, the first printing of the Talmud with this mistake, an aleph instead of a hay. And because of that, when they printed it again, they, there was this idea, oh, we, 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 don't, we don't change the manuscript, we don't change the print. 
<laughs> so what happens is it gets printed the wrong way, and they put these parentheses around it to tell you it's a mistake. So again, I I I I don't know why, but it's a holdover from the way things were, where you don't mess around with stuff. You leave the original in there. Now, in this case, the logic would say, of course you change it. Look at the Pusik. The Pusik is not, the Pusik's written with a hey, not with an olive. But there's other places where what everybody thought it was a mistake really wasn't. So in order to just keep things the way they were, put your little note, put your parentheses, but have the original with all its flaws in front of you. Because you'll find out maybe, not in this case, but in some cases when you thought, oh, that, that word doesn't make sense, it actually does Under for, upon further review. So before you take out your eraser and change it, keep it the way it was. That, that was the attitude. So let's go on now. Tiku bakode shofar bikesa liyom chagenu. Blow the shofar when there's a covering on the day, towards the day of our Chag. The day of our Chag. Okay, we all know Chag, oh Chag, Chag Sameach. What does Chag mean? So, <laughs> technically, uh, this, is, this is a question of what the word Chag means. Um, you might remember, I, I might have told a couple of you that you don't really say Chag Sameach on Purim because it's not a Chag. What does a chag mean? Okay. Literally, a chag, as we say in, in Tehillim, isru chag bavotim ad karnos hamizbeach. Tie up the chag with ropes and lead it with these thick ropes to the mizbeach's corner. What do you lead to a mizbeach's corner? An animal. Right. An animal that you need to bring. That's what a chag is. A chag is an animal. Okay? That's that's one. And it's an animal you would bring on a special day. Okay. Another interpretation of chag is similar to the modern Hebrew word chug, which is a circle, which indicates a dance in a circle. A day where you'd like to dance. A day like where you'd like to get in a circle, not the horror necessarily, but a circle of dancing. A, a place where there's a hug together, there's a certain uh, leveling of the playing field, and everybody is like in a circle together. That's also the word hug or chag. Where do you have such a day where a special carbon is brought, people are happy? Ezel chag, which chag do you have? Shahachodesh miskasebo, that the chodesh is covered, the new moon is covered. Tiku bachodesh shofar, blow when the chodesh, the newness, is covered. Now, what does that mean, the newness is covered? The newness is covered means that you know it's there, you know that something new is happening, but you can't see it. We're going to go out. Maybe you've already done it. You've already done Kiddush Levan already. That's because you can see it. Uh, you can see, you can go out there and see it. Before you can see it, on the very first day, you can't see it. You know it's there. There's certain people, right, that can, that, that can tell, but most, you can't really see. It's very tiny. What is the day where the, the, the newness you know it's there, but it's covered. There's only one holiday that that fits. It doesn't fit Sukkos. It doesn't fit Pesach. Because on Sukkos and Pesach, the new moon is visible. It's actually a full moon. Yom Kippur, of course, it's also much. There's only one holiday that begins in the beginning of the month. And that is Rosh Hashanah. Havi Omer, what you need to say is, Zer Rosh Hashanah. That's Rosh Hashanah. Okay, Viksiv, what does it say about the very next Pasuk? So we know we're talking about Rosh Hashanah. The very next Pasuk says is, Ki chok hu. It's a chok. It's a chok. 
What does that mean? Kichok li Yisraelu. Right? You could say chok. Chok is what? We're going to see what it means in a second. It's a chok to Israel. It's a mishpat. It's a judgment. Lelohei Yaakov. For the people who have God, uh, for the God of Jacob. The people who, in other words, the God of the people of Jacob. All right. So obviously this is a, a nice source that God judges the world on Rosh Hashanah. By the way, it never says that in the Torah anywhere, right? It never says in the Torah, God will judge you on Rosh Hashanah. It says it's a teruah, it's a yom teruah, it's a day to remember. It, never, it says Shabbaton. It never says in the Torah anywhere that Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. We know we accept it as a day of judgment. Where's the, where's the hint to that? That's this verse right here. Mishpat l'lochei Yaakov. Aha, so there's a mishpat going on, a judgment going on. You're at court. Okay. But the first part of the verse is the one that the rabbis are zeroing in on. Chok Yisrael. It's a chok. What does that mean, it's a chok? If you look at the Pasuk inside, here on your side, it says, ki chok Yisrael. Aha. Chok. Chok is like a, a command that you don't understand, right? It's something that is chiseled in stone that you need to accept. Okay. So you could say we're talking about blowing shofar, that that's a chok. Chok li Yisrael. Chok. <laughs> right? Again, if you look here in the Pasuk, it, it's, it's, it's spelled ches kuf, but it's read with a cholam on top, a little dot on top. Chok li Yisrael. That could just mean it's a law that you have to keep. But the rabbis are going to say, the rabbis are going to read the word as chok li Yisrael. Chok, not chok. What does chok mean? You'll see in a second that we're going to stop with this. My mashma, what's the inference here? The inference here is that the high chok, the word chok here is the lishna de mizone. It's your appointed portion. Let me say it better. Chok is like the word mechokek, to hew out. Lachkok in Hebrew means to chisel out. A mechokek is a, is a leader who decides these are the laws. What we're saying is, is that this is a chok li Yisrael. Rosh Hashanah, the day you blow the shofar, there's a chok li Yisrael. There's a certain amount that has been parceled out to you. And that happens on Rosh Hashanah. Chok li Yisrael who? What you're going to make this year, that's the chok. The chok is your portion. Your portion that's going to, that that, that will give you the money you need to live. That's what chok is. Again, the simple shot is it's a chok. I don't know why we blow shofar and Rosh Hashanah. It's a chok. I just got to do it. Okay? What we're saying now, it's not about blowing shofar. Blow the shofar, yes. Be scared. And the reason why you should be scared is because it's a chok li Yisrael. You're gonna, it's going to be decided not just whether you live and die. That's mishpat le Yaakov. But there's also going to be another financial decision which is part of that, is how much money you're going to make, what's going to be your amount, what's your hook for this year. All right. Um, so we'll end with this point. The Gemara then says, how do you know that's what the word hook means? How do you know it has to do with the amount of food you're going to eat? My mashma, where do you know the high hook, that that word hook is lishna de mizone? It's a language, lishna, from the word tongue. Lashon is a tongue. Lishna is a language that it's a term that means money for food. Dichtiv, there's a verse, katuv. There's a verse, another verse, when it talks about Yosef and um, it mentions that v'ochlu eschukam asher natan paro. It mentions Yosef and the Mitzrim during the years of famine that 
um, they uh, uh, that they would eat what was apportioned out to them. You can see here, Rak Admat Koanim Lo Kana. The priests of Egypt did not have to sell their property back to Yosef, because the priests of Egypt were given uh, like a like a, a welfare check. They were given money, as the Pusik says, from Paro. And therefore, they never suffered during the famine because they always had enough food. So you see, that is the word, not chok. They didn't eat their laws. They ate their chokhs. They ate what was allotted to them. So that's where, where you see that the word chok means a, a portion of amount of food that's allotted to you to, to survive. So now we look at the Pasuk again. Tiku shofar. When you blow the shofar, on that holiday where the moon is not visible. And you know it's there, but it's not visible. Rosh Hashanah. On that day, that's the day when it's going to be determined how much money you're going to make and how much, in order to pay for your natural expenses Primarily, of course, your food expenses, but everything else that's included in that. That's how we've proved that idea. Again, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a tortured reading, but that's a, the rabbinical reading of that verse. And, and, and we back it up with another source that shows you the word chok can mean that. And the rabbis are honest. Even when they know, and I'll end with this, even, if, even when they know that they are playing with the with, with, with the phrase. They're playing with the drosha. They're going to back it up with something. They're not just going to say, hey, that word sounds like something. If they can, they will back up their new reading of a verse with another verse that seems to uh, buttress their interpretation. And, and, and they are, they're playing by their rules, but their rules also have, again, you might not, again, as I said the other day, parshanut, it's not. It's not about, but it does have rules to it. They're not just inventing stuff out of thin air. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.